Hello and welcome. You're listening to season one of Adam Was Mad, a podcast where we discuss all things childhood mental health. I'm your host, Michelle, and each week I speak with a guest who either experienced mental health struggles as a child themselves, is parenting a child who has a mental health diagnosis, or who's a professional in this field. A quick cautionary note, many of our episodes talk about trauma of various kinds. So listener discretion is advised. Every story is important and valued, and every story reminds us we're not alone out there. You have a village of people who understand exactly what you're going through and who can help. If you're looking to connect more closely with that village, join us on Facebook in the group Your Village by following the link at the top of today's show notes. When you join, enter your email to receive our free monthly resource. Hopefully you'll learn something new, hear something interesting, or truly just be reminded that you're not alone. Without any further ado, let's get to today's episode. Hi, everyone. Thanks for being with me today. I have with me Carol, and Carol is going to talk to us about her personal journey with mental health. Carol, welcome. Thank you, Michelle. How's it going? It's going great. I'm so glad to have you here with us today. Can you tell the folks listening at home about your own personal journey and background? Yeah. So as it relates to mental health, I mean, of course, I was very excited to to chat with you today, and I'm glad that you're doing this type of a podcast. And Michelle and I just briefly spoke about this before, but we were definitely, we're talking about where my background came from and why I'm personally passionate about it and why she's doing it, right? So one of the things for me is that I come from a long history of mental health issues, I guess you could say, that really only surfaced when I got a little bit older, kind of actually, I was sort of aware of it for a while, but in the last only few years did I really decide to actually, you know, learn about it. And one of the things that was particularly astonishing for me is also not just being so unaware about it for myself, but also for the people around me and how can I better inform people around me who were also affected by my own mental health. So my background is as a little baby, I was adopted. So it all started way back when I was three days old and, you know, my mental health journey really started from there. And I will say, I'll keep referring back to my adulthood, but when you're young like that, you don't really recognize that those types of things might actually have an impact on you. And all my life, I heard, you know, I was being thrown into therapy. I was told I have trauma. I was told there were issues with adoption and I should be aware of them and all of that stuff. But we don't really, again, I, I just, I didn't know. Um, I didn't, I kind of threw that away. Like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But I, I personally am not a victim of that. Like personally, I don't have this problem, but again, it's just not being aware of it. As I grew up, I think that that concept of not really feeling like I belonged really followed me everywhere. Um, I moved around up until I was about 15, 16 years old, all over the world. I was born in Brazil. Um, I have family there. My mom's from Brazil. My dad's Belgian, so I have family from Belgium as well. And we moved in between Japan, Luxembourg, and the U.S. Wow. Multiple times. Yeah. Um, Seven times in my first 14 years of life Holy and moly. yeah so my life was constantly moving constantly having to readjust to different places again 
definitely underestimated what it could what how how mental health could get into the could be involved in me um having moved so many times around in so many different not just locations locally but countries and having to readjust to different cultures different people different lifestyles different schools different everything all the time while also having a whole other type of identity crisis of where do i belong and also not really recognizing um family wise where do i belong you know am i brazilian am i belgian am i american am i luxembourgish like where am i from so so that obviously continued to accumulate and then when i was 17, I was diagnosed with a stage four cancer called Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it's kind of like a, it's a blood cancer. And, um, and that was just another one of, and another addition to my bag of tricks where again, I was constantly being told, you should look into this. This is traumatic. You need to get counseling for it. You're going to have a lot of mental health things to work over. Um, and me thinking personally, not me personally, I am not feeling this way. I'm strong. I was very into that whole, you know, societal norms of thinking that we need to be strong and we need to be, which was a very important part of my story because I do think I'm very strong and resilient as a result of everything. But um, I really handled it with only strength and not enough of a chance to handle it emotionally and really um, come to face to face with how much all of this could actually affect you as a as a young person who's just learning how to um how to be a person really um and um and that carried on so you know i think that i learned in many different ways and forms that your mental health or trauma can stop you from growing and so my own my own age kind of stopped growing along with that and um i suffered through mental health uh, substance abuse after um after i was cured of cancer um, and so then that cycle just kind of carried on with me as I became a quote unquote adult. Um, by the time I was in my mid twenties to late twenties, I definitely recognized that, um, or only now in hindsight, recognizing that I was definitely, um, an adult child or, a, 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 an adult, but in as a child. So I was living very much always as a child. Um, I never really got to grow up. And for me, I'm, I'm a really big um, advocate for mental health. I'm a big advocate on being trauma informed, not just for other people around me, but just for myself as well. Like, what is trauma? What does that really mean? And um, how can that actually affect every aspect of my life? And when I look back now as a, as someone who's very much recovered from everything, um, I mean, I'm always recovering, of course, there's no, there's never an end to recovering from your, your history, but looking back on it, um, I definitely, I definitely believe that everything followed me until I was finally able to face it. And, and until I was finally able to, to look at these things and realize how they are affecting my belief systems, how they're affecting my life, how they're affecting everyone around me, because, you know, this again, wasn't just me, but other people were suffering. My family was suffering. My friends were suffering to one man or another. Um, and then of course I was suffering. So, um, my, my history has, has shown, you know, all, all my life has been an ongoing 
story of my childhood mental health issues growing up with me and never leaving me until now I'm finally able to let go of my demons. But, um, but it really did start at, an, at a very young age. So that's where my, uh, that's my personal experience with it. And then my, my, prof it also ended up being a professional experience with it where now I'm, um, I'm very much advocating for this types of these types of um, education, um, both in my, uh, you know, company in the companies I work for, but also I was a coach at a mental health company as well, um, a nonprofit helping um, helping crisis, and um, and that really also triggered a whole other realm of me of of recognizing that this is now this was something I'm, I was suffering with and now is something that I really just want to help others with. So very passionate about that in a, in a sense of how can I give back now that I have been able to, to take what I, what I, what I needed and, and get what I deserve, which is a, a beautiful life. I believe that if we work hard for it, we're all very much deserving of really beautiful lives and that our mental health is, a beautiful gift in some ways, as weird as that might sound, but can be a very beautiful gift. For me, it definitely, I think, brought me a, a, a life of, of my dreams that I hadn't expected um, would transpire as it did. So That's so beautiful. I want to jump on one thing you said in particular. You said that as you were growing up, everybody was telling you that these things were traumatic and that these things that were happening to you were traumatic and that you needed to seek help and you needed to seek therapy and that you had this mental block where you were saying, well, not me, not me. This isn't traumatic to me. This isn't happening to me. And it reminds me of kids as we're growing up, we're going through, you know, we're getting our driver's licenses, we're learning to drive, we're going through high school, and we're hearing about kids getting in car accidents or kids drinking and driving. And you you have that idea that nothing bad will ever happen to me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not even necessarily that you consciously think that you just think you just don't have that awareness. It's like your frontal lobe isn't developed enough to be able to think, oh, yeah, that actually could happen to me. There's something there that prevents us from recognizing that we are vulnerable and we do mm. need help. So I think you make such a good point about you can be strong and resilient and independent and you can have all that inner strength and you can still need help sometimes and you can still mm -hmm. seek therapy and you can still, you know, it's not weakness to seek out help for any, any kind of mental health issue, whether it's illness or whether it's trauma or whether it's PTSD, you know, anything that's going on in your brain is just as real as something that's going on or else in your body. You know, we would never shame somebody for going and getting a cast if they break their arm. And just, just like that, you wouldn't shame somebody who needs to go and have therapy or get help after going through a situation like being diagnosed with cancer as a teenager. I mean, how, how challenging of a situation to find yourself in and then to believe, no, I'm strong, I'm resilient, I don't need help. And it's only years later now that you're an adult that you were able to say, oh yeah, that really was traumatic. And oh yeah, I can work through those things. And that doesn't make me weak and it doesn't make me any less strong. So I really love that you said that. You know, you also talk about how you realize that the traumas that you were experiencing were impacting the people around you. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. And I, I, to that point, by the way, it's, it's interesting. I reflect so much on how immune I thought I was. Uh, it, yeah. It, it's incredible. The psychology of being immune to everything. And 
Weirdly, I was actually reading this blog that I wrote yesterday because my someone brought this up to me and I and it led me to reread it. I don't know why, but it's weird, kind of interesting timing. But um, I was talking about that immunity that I thought I had and and how I had heard about cancer. You know, it, it wasn't something, I, but I'd never seen it in a in such face value, never. So you know, I mean, I my my grandfather died of cancer before I was born. My you know things like that might have happened, but I've never seen it in front of me so to such an, a shocking degree where I I would realize that oh this could this could happen to me. This could this is real. This is a reality. And it, and I was reflecting on that a lot. And I think it's very interesting how we how sometimes we we tiptoe around this until it becomes our issue. And I mean it hopefully never will be someone's issue, but it is very important that at least informed on why this can affect people because it definitely really triggered a lot in me so it is interesting that um especially as kids we just don't think that it's going to be us ever right and until until it might just be and, and then that is. can yeah. shake us in so many ways but the shame also i think is a, is something that um definitely bothers me because i think i i'm a i used to be very affected by shame and not wanting to share how i truly feel and everything and it's just i think unfortunately a result of how of a, as a society we've curated that type of system where we don't talk about things we don't talk about mental health we don't talk about our feelings if we have cancer we hide i actually did a whole study on it i was interviewing people around my age back then that had cancer i also interviewed people who i interviewed a whole school to tell me like what are some words that come to mind when they think of cancer and it's amazing how many of us don't want to talk about it we just don't we want to yeah. hide we want to get through it and then we want to just pretend it never happen and move on and not me though <laughs> and that that was not <laughs> but and this kind of goes into the second part of your question which was how were other people and yeah it's interesting because everyone i knew reacted so differently really? and um mm -hmm, like some people you know wanted to be there for me and you know showed up and 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 loved me through it you know like some of my friends would um, be on video chat with me while I was getting chemo and trying to support me, trying to be a friend there, would travel to come see me and be with me. Then I had other friends, though, that they would hang out with me, but nothing really changed. They they tried to kind of act as if nothing changed. Mm. And I had other even other friends who didn't want to say anything, who were afraid to talk to me or were afraid to bring it up or didn't know what to do, you know, and only after years, like many years up until now in my thirties, when I'm finally able to express it and, and in a much different light, am I able to have those real conversations with them about it? And, and they were, they were able to really understand where each other were coming from in that sense. And I never had any bad feelings about that with anybody, of course, but, but it's just interesting looking back as adults on, on, on how they were thinking back then, you know, yeah, how they dealt with it. In regards to then my family, it's the same thing. You know, I think a lot of, I think everybody didn't know what to do. We didn't know we, mm -hmm. it was, it was a first kind of experience. So, you know, my, my parents, I mean, I think they handled it wonderfully as best they can, but for me, part of my trauma is seeing not 
is seeing my mom suffering and trying to be strong for me, for example, mm. and, um, and, and really seeing how she just how the despair of her wanting so badly to take the pain away and so badly to make it her own. And, and even that makes me sad to say and, and affects me as I talk about it, it brings it up, brings things up for me because um, it, when you're when you're going through it and i and i wanted to be strong too and and seeing my mom suffering was probably just as bad as seeing as me suffering as well and for her i i know how much she wanted to take that away from me and then as for my dad he was just more so really not sure what to do of course and he and he my mom was the caretaker my mom was the one that was taking me to the the appointments and everything my dad was working but but i just again i just think that there's a level of of just not knowing what to do and I think as a kid it's hard because you don't know how to be aware of that kind of stuff so I didn't really know that I just knew that my mom was in a lot of pain and I mean my dad was just doing whatever he can to support as much as he could but you know it's 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 very hard to think about what kinds of like like how to even make that better for anybody when you're young because you just don't know how to how to help others in that moment when you're trying to also just figure out how to understand what's happening to you in a context that you don't have a lot of context in life to even verbalize or or um mentalize what's really going on so so yeah i mean people everybody handle it in so many different ways and and one thing i do wish is definitely maybe being able to have more resources for the for the families and for my parents or my friends to be able to be a little bit more informed on best ways to handle it. But I do think that it is very personal to each person. And that's where, you know, as a, as a kid is, it's important for me to try to my, or as a kid, it's, it's important to be informed on what's going on, but it's hard when you just don't know how to mentalize it, of course. But, but in hindsight, there was a lot of different types of reactions and, and it is really interesting to think about how painful, um, it, it was for everyone, even if you just wouldn't know because their their pain would be hiding inside of them. So, yeah. And looking back now with that benefit of hindsight, what do you think, what advice would you give? Let's say you're talking to a parent whose child is going through something like you did. What advice would you give to them? How, you know, look, talking, I think, to an adult cancer survivor would really help a parent understand how best to support their child when, as you said, as a child, you can't verbalize your needs. You maybe don't even know what you need in that moment. But you as an adult, you have that benefit. So what, of hindsight, what what advice would you give to parents going through something like this right now? How best can they support their child? Yeah, I think and all of the things, as I watched my parents move through every part of my um, issues, because it was like literally one thing after another, but I think the best, best advice I could ever give is to find your own support. Because it's like, so what I've noticed with my family, especially or my parents, especially my mom, really, but what I, the thing I noticed the most was that we always need so much control. We always think we can control it. So I know that my mom as in, in all of her most loving way was definitely trying her best to like, she wanted to find a way to help me, 
but at the end of the day, the only person that would be able to help me is myself. And I, and I definitely think that her support was amazing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to make it without her. And, and I think I was handling it pretty well, actually, but, but we have such a hard time seeking help for ourselves because we think that the best way is to help someone else is to help the person or that they could, that if we help them or if we can control their outcomes, then we can feel better. But really it's admitting that we don't have any control, admitting that this is helpless in a sense where there's nothing that you can, you can't cure the kid. You can't, you know, make the change for the kid. You can help yourself though. And then that will, help you come to peace with it. It'll help you come to terms with it. It'll maybe give you a, a tip or two on how to handle the, the situation at hand. I think that that can come about if you're, you know, talking to people who've been there, you know, like now as an adult, I know how to, I can help others, other parents by explaining how I felt when I was a kid, but, but it's really all about support. And I think that, you know, these, there's these layers of, of, of how we, we operate. And one of the basic most basic needs we need is community and and love and support and we don't put enough emphasis on that i know that the reason i survived was through hope and heroes which was the cancer organization that was attached to my treatment center at columbia they helped me feel a sense of purpose they fueled they gave me community they gave me people there that wanted to help that wanted to love me that wanted to cheer me on and and parents need that too like they think they're superheroes and in some ways they are and and but but our but as kids we're always going to see them as superheroes so whatever whatever goes right but if you could be a role model by showing up and and being vulnerable and reaching out to a support network on your own that might actually be that might actually help the kid then be able to conceptualize what's happening as adults. I know for me, my parents never asked for support, at least not outside of their own, maybe family and friends, but they never really got, went out of their way to find community support on this subject. And um, therefore I didn't think that I needed to maybe as an adult find support and and ask for help and, and, and learn on those types of resources as well. So as many, types of advice, as many pieces of advice as I can give. That's the biggest one is, is admit the vulnerability, admit the pain and then ask for help. And it's amazing the purpose that we end up finding along the way. And then you end up probably helping in even greater sense, because then you might find a sense of fulfillment there. And then whatever the, the mental health challenge at hand is, you might be then really moved or called to, to work in those communities or, or do something to give back in those communities. And my parents really followed me where I was giving back in my, as a cancer patient, I was giving back to the Hope and Heroes, the charity, by speaking at events and doing walks and raising awareness and 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 funds. They tagged along, but it was my show. You know, I was acting on the account of other cancer patients and survivors, but my parents never really acted on it as as the family members of a cancer patient or a survivor. And right. I think that might have maybe changed how they how they looked at it, or maybe that might've helped them come out of that pain that they were in, in a different way that then seeing me flourish would have helped, you know? Right, right. Finding their own sense of community within this tragedy. I mean, it is a tragedy. Cancer is a tragedy no matter what, you know, but 
I, I love that you said that role model getting support, role model admitting the vulnerability, because if you have a child who feels like they have to be strong or they have to be resilient, that they can't seek help, they don't need help, one of the best things you could do is model getting that help for yourself because then it shows them that it's okay. It's okay to seek help. It's okay not to be okay all the time. Mm -hmm. And then you're not putting the burden of support on your child. And I think in a lot of cases, maybe not a lot, but I have seen cases where parents are so devastated by news of a diagnosis, whether it's cancer or whether it's mental illness of some kind, they are so devastated that the child ends up comforting the parent rather than the other way around. And I think if that parent has that external community, that village to give them comfort, they can then focus on providing comfort and support for their child. And it reminds me, I'll have to put this in the show notes if I can find a picture of it. It reminds me of that circle of support wheel. Have you ever seen this? It's a small circle in the middle and then a larger circle and then a larger circle outside of that and a larger circle outside of that. And it has arrows saying the support flows in and not out. You know, the person at the center, the person who is suffering from whatever the case may be, is the one who receives support. And then the people closest to them give them support. And then the people in the next circle outside give that person support. It'll be, it'll make much more sense when you see it in the show notes. So go look at the picture in the show notes. But Mm -hmm. so I love that you said that because I, I think that that's really important. And another thing that you said that I really liked was not to try to fix it, just to hold space for that person, whomever it is in your life, a child to express their own vulnerability and their own fear, and you don't have to fix it. You can't fix it a lot of times. And so showing them that you're not going to try to fix it. You're just going to hold space for them to feel their feelings and experience their emotions, I think is so important. So I'm really glad you said that. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you one final question. Do you have any words of wisdom for people who maybe feel like they're doing it wrong. (laughs) For people who feel like they're causing their child more pain, they don't have the tools and techniques, they don't know what to do to help, they feel like everything they do makes things worse. Mm. What would you tell them? So I'm trying to jumpstart a business. And I can't tell you how many times I fall into that hole of it's not working nothing's working i can't do this mm-hmm. never gonna work I'm, not, I'm messing up everything's breaking it's the end of the world all this stuff going back to the concept of control where it's like but but the the world is just flowing as it should be and there's nothing i can do really to control the success of it today but i can at least let's say go online and look up how to how to build the business or how to build the marketing or how to do this or how to do that. And the whole point of that is just the, the fact that we can still learn how to be informed. If it's if it's sinking, it's not that it's sinking, it's just that maybe we need to redirect. And I think about that with my when I and bringing the business just as like an ex, as an example to how um to how I think of it when I'm kind of feeling like there's I'm doing everything wrong. There's nowhere to go, but it's just a matter of where can I find my education? What, what maybe, maybe am I reading from the wrong places? Am I learning from the wrong people? And then it goes again, back to the community. If I'm in my own head and I'm constantly saying that to myself, maybe I need to see other people who are feeling the same way. And it's interesting that 
once I started, you know, opening up about my, my business and talking to people and reaching out, then I started getting connected and learning that other people felt literally things. Every single thing that I thought was just a me problem, everybody else, whether they were, you know, whether they're successful billionaire business people or, um, just a bit ahead of me, they've all gone through the, I don't know what my business idea is. I don't know how to get clients. I don't know how to do this. And it's the same exact thing with like anything, including mental health, where maybe that's because we're, you're reading from the wrong resources or not, not that anything's wrong, but you might want to re-steer your compass and also reach out to the community. Again, the community will be there to tell you that you're not doing it wrong. You just really care. They're probably yeah. going to be there to tell you that you're not doing it wrong. You're just really sad and you're really um, overwhelmed because you, you love so much and that's really normal. And when love gets involved, that's, it's only natural that like, again, even with my business, my heart is involved. And that's where we might get confused sometimes. I think that, again, people will be there to tell you that you are not alone. And I yeah. think once I at least started learning that I am not alone, I started feeling pretty powerful because then I started realizing that I have what it takes to to get where I want to go. And and this actually was even with all of my, you know, my all my mental health things because this is what i want to do for a living is is being able to help other people and and it's just the same but i need to be joined with other people who are able to hold me hug me and tell me that i'm not alone and that i i can that i can do it i just have to show up and i just have to be consistently showing up and for parents out there who feel like they're failing their child i gotta tell you my mom felt the same way but she's not alone and the more that we can join forces probably the less we're gonna feel like we're doing the wrong thing because then we're going to feel empowered and that's why i think the community thing is is so important i completely agree i think it all comes back to community and you don't have to drown in the overwhelm because you're not alone just reach your hand out somebody in the community is out there and that's what i think is so wonderful about the fact that mental health and trauma are getting so much more I don't know if the word is FaceTime, but there's so much more awareness now. There's so much there's so much less stigma. It's now socially acceptable to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that it is because that means we can all keep each other from drowning. None of us are alone in this. Carol, thank you so much for being with me today. First of all, congratulations on beating cancer. <laughs> but also, thank you so much again. And I hope to have you back soon. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for doing this and um, inspiring other people. I think it's really important and uh, breaking the stigma one person at a time. It's just a momentum. And then each time it'll be like a snowball effect and growing bigger. So you're doing it. That. That's all for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to follow or subscribe and check out today's show notes for free downloadable resources and a link to join your village, our Facebook community. Catch you next time.